I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Snowbound with George Thomas, and we're visiting with Rosie Brennan, who is now in Finland. You are sure globetrotting. Or wait, are you in Finland? No, I'm in Norway now. <laughs> I was just in Finland, so I am globetrotting. <laughs> so Sweden, Finland, now Norway. I, I just can't even imagine the travel that you're doing <laughs> between races. That's incredible. Yes, uh, this morning we had to get a we had a five thirty a.m. wake up to catch our shuttle. So even though it seems short just to go from Finland to Norway, it ends up being quite a bit of travel. <laughs> So tell us about the last weekend's race in Finland. You did a stage race. Um, exactly how did it start out? And let's go through it stage by stage. All right. Uh, well, the first day is a sprint. Um, and so the way a sprint works in cross country is there's a qualifying round that's a time trial style. So everyone goes individual start. Um, and then the top 30 from that um, move on to the heats. And then there's... Um, a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final that, and the top two from each heat move on um, until you get the winner. Um, and I'm more of a distance skier and uh, would like to do better in sprints, but um, everyone does it because it's it's for the tour. Uh, so I ended up only doing the qualifier, didn't make it onto the heats. Um, but some of my teammates had a really great day. We had two top tens and a few top twenties. So. Um, it was a pretty good start to the tour overall, and uh, Kusumo is known for its uh, really steep climbs. Uh, so when you're classic skiing, that also means you ha need really good uh, kick wax on the bottom of your skis. Um, so it and it it can be a wax tex nightmare because it, it's also sometimes humid there, or precipitating or um, those kinds of things. So it's always a, an interesting place to start out. Because uh, you kind of get everything thrown at you right at once. <laughs> so I'm really curious with something like that. We're hoping to visit with one of the techs this week. The snow's got to change from when you start the first person off to the last person off in a time trial start. Yes, exactly. And um, like, and uh, as was the case on Friday, um, we had to test our skis uh, probably an hour and a half before our start. Um, and then because I'm relatively, or because I'm less of a sprinter, I start later on. Um, it usually goes the best to the worst in a sprint. So I probably had, you know, an hour 45 from the time I tested skis to the time I went. So that's always a really tricky thing when you're trying to tell how the tracks are changing, if there's more moisture coming up or if they're drying out as people ski over them or kind of those types of things that are happening. So, it, and Kusumo is particularly tricky in those regards because it is it is pretty humid and we were hovering right around freezing the whole weekend so it was kind of that in between um that makes for the trickiest of wax conditions so it's always a challenge now talking skis you're a rosignol athlete i believe how is it that you choose a manufacturer uh well i mean i think some of it is just chance and then sometimes um 
you know, you're just a lot of it, the, you know, all the skis are built very differently. So, um, a mod is built different than a fish. It's built different than a Rosinol. So they all have different feels when you go in the snow and, um, Rosignol, when they moved their headquarters to Park City, Utah, which is where I'm from, they were kind of looking for uh, local athletes. And so I tried some of the skis out and um, it really met kind of the things that I was looking for. Rosignols tend to be more stable on the snow um, and they have a lot of give back when you kick off with them. And I really like that feeling, especially when I'm climbing, to have have my ski give some energy back to me. Um and so it just worked out perfectly. And so I've been skiing on Rosignol for quite a few years now, at least half my career, if not more. So if we can visit with our tech later this week, uh, obviously we'll ask him the same question. But I'm just curious because different skis have different bases, different designs. Are some easier for techs to work on than others? Well, I don't know. I actually just asked one of the techs that in the bus today um, because... <laughs> Each of us, all of our techs are assigned to two athletes. So my tech, actually, the male athlete that he also works with um, is also on Rosignol. Uh, and so they kind of did that on purpose so that he just had to learn that one brand. Um, but that's not the case for all the techs, as it just can't be. Um, and so I asked one of them that today, and they said that, um, you know, even if you're skiing on the same brand because one's a girl and one's a boy and the skis are flexed so differently, it just feels different anyway. So the techs kind of just approach it as, you know, two different sets of skis and, and work through it that way. But um, for me as an athlete, I would definitely only want to ever ski on one brand. <laughs> so what kind of a relationship do you end up developing with the tech? I mean, that's a real science. Yes, it is. And um, it's also, you know, when you're trying to find a kick wax that works, that's some of the most stressful moments. You're nervous before the race, like you're trying to find the fastest skis that also have the best kick. And so um, a lot of times your tech is also someone that can be like, I guess, somewhat of a sports psychologist for you, you know, <laughs> calming you down, reassuring you that, you know, they can find the best thing to work and you having to trust them that they can actually find the best thing to work. And and, uh, you know, that you guys agree on which skis are the fastest or which ones kick the best and, you know, make a, a combined decision on what ski is the best one to race on. So it definitely gets to you build a relationship with your tech for sure. And are they out there supporting you during the race, cheering you on or are they busy with other things? Um, they usually are working on the boy skis when we're racing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the girls race first. And so my tech has one, me and then a male athlete. Um, so when I, as soon as I pick my skis and he puts the final top coat on them and hands them to me to go race. And then he starts, um, testing and working on, uh, his male athletes skis. So they work really hard, long days. <laughs> and I'd really like to get into the team dynamic with you as well. Um, my cycling background, I mean, it's very team oriented, even though you can look at it and feel that it's individual, but it's not, it's very team oriented. Is Nordic skiing similar? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of the team dynamics are built in the summer because, you know, you need training partners to push you hard. And, you know, when it's pouring rain out that you still get outside and do your training and all the provide moral support if you're injured or sick or all those types of things. Um, and then, of course, in the U.S., since we're spending five months over here, we spend five months with the same teammates uh, the whole year. So you have to find a way to um, be supportive of each other, to get along well, and to make it a good 
environment in which we can all thrive in. So for sure, it's a team sport. <laughs> and are you out there supporting the other teams? Um, you went through the qualifying. Did you go out the next couple of days to, to watch your teammates? And then what's it like for the male and the female uh, teams? Do they support each other as well? Um, yes, we for sure support them. So this weekend was a tour. So Friday was the sprint race, but I also raced Saturday and Sunday, um, in the next distance races. And so I watched the boys race or the, the heats of the sprint, um, from the TV, um, just because it's important that I make sure I'm maximizing my recovery for the next races. But absolutely. Um, as soon as they all get back from the race, you know, we support each other, talk about the goods and the bads and, and how the races went and how we're going to do better next time and all those kinds of things. So tell us what happened Saturday. Uh, so Saturday was a 5k skate race for us. So it was, uh, really fast. We don't often race as short as 5k. Um, and it had, again, Kusumo's known for its very steep climbs and also very fast descents. So it was just one loop of this kind of crazy course. Uh, and I would call it a very solid race for myself. It, it wasn't the best race I've ever had and certainly not the worst. Um, kind of just still trying to get into that groove of racing and feel that, you know, top level fitness come in. And then what happened on Sunday? And so then Sunday, uh, is a pursuit start. So the way that works, um, is every person, uh, starts based on their time back from the previous two days races combined. Um, so the idea is that the first person that crosses the line is the tour winner. Um, so you basically, so you start with your, with the time deficit that you've built over the last two days. That actually sounds kind of fun. How did you do on that? Yeah, so that's really fun. Um, and I really enjoy that because you end up skiing around the people that are the same ability as you. So you get kind of, you know, you group up in a pack and you kind of have this pack that like, okay, these girls are all the same. And like, I really got to figure out how I can beat this group of people and move up in the rankings. And you, you know where you're standing in the race. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It turned out to be a wax text nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we had really tricky wax. And I don't know that anybody in the field really had great skis. Nobody had perfect skis, that's for sure. So it was all about just being uh, really tough and doing whatever you can to make your skis work. Um, whether it was running outside of the tracks, hopping back in the tracks, getting into a you know, herringbone style, um, trying everything. Um, and it was... I I actually ended up having a good time in the end. It took a little while to figure, you know, sort through it, especially in the first weekend of racing. Um, that's so different from summer training. You suddenly have all these different snow conditions you're dealing with instead of just wheels on pavement. Uh, and so you're kind of processing everything as, as the race unfolded. And I finally felt by the last lap, I, I had got my classic groove back and felt like really knew what it was like to be skiing on snow instead of pavement. So it was a really good um, learning experience and I was able to move up a few places. So, um, so it was a good day. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> now I want to talk to you just a little bit about training before we let you go. You're racing so much now. Do you actually do a lot of training in between? Um, not compared to our summer training. Uh, it's kind of a fine balance because our season starts, you know, Thanksgiving weekend and it goes um, to through the end of March. So you have to find some way to maintain uh, some sort of fitness. Like you don't want to lose fitness throughout the season. Um, so particularly in the early season, we'll maybe have 
a little more training than we would otherwise, uh, just to kind of keep our base fitness a little higher to make it through um, all the way to the end of the season. But we definitely knock our training back quite a bit, and all of our intensity training is essentially racing. You know, maybe we'll do right. one short intensity during the week to kind of practice specific skills or to kind of spark your body a little bit. Um, but for the most part, it's just distance training with maybe a little bit of speed in there and then race and then repeat week after week. <laughs> and what's coming up as you repeat this weekend? Uh, so now we're in Lillehammer, Norway, and Norway is kind of, you know, what people think of when they think of cross-country skiing. So these races are always very competitive, um, and they do a top-notch job with them. Um, so we're all pretty excited to be here. We actually have a skiathlon this weekend, which is um, – you do, uh, so it's a 15K skiathlon, so we do 7.5K of classic skiing, and then we switch our equipment in the middle of the race um, to skate skiing and do 7.5 of skate ski. So it's your combined time for both of them, and it's continuous, so you don't, like, your exchange is timed as well. Um, so that's a kind of fun and exciting format because you have to be good at both skate and classic. <laughs> And then on Sunday, we have a relay, which is um, always one of our favorites because our, our women's team has gotten particularly strong in the last few years. And we actually have, um, well, more than four women that can contend for a relay spot. So it's competitive to first get on the team. And then once we have our team, we're actually competitive um, amongst the other nations. So that's always something that we're really, really proud for, proud of and excited for. Oh, this sounds like it's going to be a blast of a weekend. Yes, it should be a good one. <laughs> Well, I wish you all the best, and I certainly look forward to catching up with you uh, hopefully next Monday. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Rosie Brennan on Snowbound, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.